0: You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning. Good morning. Mhm. It's good to have you with us today. My name's Rick Francis, I'm the pastor here. I've been on many journeys to California and Texas for the sake of the gospel which is code for seeing my grandkids <laughs> see my granddaughters in Texas and my grandson in California and uh, their respective parents so mm-hmm. <laughs> the gospel of the kingdom is good news what is the gospel of the kingdom we've got a savior his name is Jesus he was the second person of the Godhead he loved us and he loved the father so much that when the father wanted to express his love to the world Jesus says I'll go. And so he came and he took upon him the fashion of a man becoming obedient even unto death taking the form of a servant he came and he gave his life for us. That's wonderful. But as he was approaching the cross this is what he said in John 14 verse 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Do you believe that? Hmm. In Mark chapter 6, verse 7, Jesus calls the 12 to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. Underline, authority over evil spirits. He told us to go and make disciples of all nations. As we have heard the good news and received Jesus Christ, asked him to forgive us of our sins and to come into our heart and to be Lord of our life, we've come under a mandate a great commission to make disciples. Therefore, we are disciples who make disciples. We're not just Christians who get to go to heaven. We've been called to the purpose of the Father and the purpose of the Son and the purpose of the Holy Spirit to make disciples in the earth. And to that end, the Lord Jesus gave the original 12 authority over evil spirits. Look to your neighbor and say, do you know that you have authority over evil spirits? In chapter 6 of Mark, it continues in, in verse 12 and 13, it says, And they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons. They drove out many demons. That implies that they believed that the authority that Jesus gave them was theirs. And they went in his name, and in the authority of the name of Jesus, they drove out evil spirits. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. Hmm. So after the transfiguration that we've looked at in chapter nine of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is coming down from the mountain, everybody's on the high of having heard the voice of God speak in the cloud, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. And as they're coming down, they come down into the valley and they meet arguing disciples. Why are they arguing? Because there was a father who brought his son who had a a demon and they weren't able to cast it out. And so instead of uh, praying, they argued. A little note, don't argue, pray. And Jesus says, the reason why you couldn't drive this one out was because this requires prayer and fasting. Yet Jesus neither prayed nor fasted in the driving out of that demon. If you look at the, the account, it doesn't say, then Jesus looked to the Father and he prayed, Father, cast out this. He, he didn't do any of that. And there's no record that he was fasting. But what he's saying is the intimacy that prayer and fasting, these disciplines that develop in our lives, it's that level of intimacy with God the Father that makes the authority of Jesus a reality in our life continuously. And Jesus, in constant fellowship with the Father, when he comes to the situation, he's just able to speak to it. And the boy set free. Hmm. Let's take note of that. Now we come to this point in chapter 9. <clears throat> and John, the beloved, the disciple whom Jesus loved, according to John himself... He comes to Jesus, and he says, Master, well, let's just read the text. This is what we're going to teach on. Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop, because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me for whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth, anyone who gives you a cup of cold water in my name, because you belong to Christ, will certainly not lose his reward. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we come under the the hearing and the authority of, of your holy scriptures, we ask that you would make them alive that you would breathe upon our hearts, that they would be open and receptive to hear the truth of what you're saying to the church today. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive the full message of the gospel of Jesus. For we ask it in his name, amen. So John says, Jesus, we saw a man driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop. What? We saw people passing out food on the side of the road in the name of Jesus. And we said, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can't do that. You're not a part of our food pantry. You got to be a part of the vineyard and you got to be a part, you got to be signed up in the volunteer, you got to go through the course, then you can do food pantry ministry. Isn't this Interesting. The, the way in which the Jewish mindset and the culture had been, as we've seen throughout these weeks looking at the Gospel of Mark, is that there's such a nationalistic pride about who they are and about who everybody else isn't. You are not the chosen. We are the chosen. And therefore, if you want to play ball, you've got to join our team. And here Jesus is, is just bringing some gentle correction as he has All through his gospel and especially chapter 9 that that we're not getting it we find that from this point on in Mark's gospel Jesus is intensively teaching his disciples because he's heading to the cross his time is short with them and so he's not ministering to the multitude anymore he's ministering to his disciples and he's constantly correcting them about the error of their thought and how they're perceiving what the kingdom is and what it means to be a child of God and so he's correcting they're wanting to know who's the greatest among them he takes a child he says you must receive the kingdom like a little child you know if you receive a little one in "My name, you receive me. And when you receive me, you not only receive me, but you are receiving the Father who sent me. Oh The heart of, of, of the Jewish people was always to be known by the Father. And Jesus is the way unto the Father. Yeah. And when we receive the Father, we receive or when we receive the Son, when we receive Jesus, we receive the Father. And so Jesus is is helping us understand what it is, the the true longing of our heart, is to know God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the three in one. How do we do that? And he says, receive a little child. So he goes through and he's making all these things. They have always been exclusive. If you weren't of the tribe of Israel, the tw- one of the 12 tribes, then you were not considered a part of the known people who worship God. So here's this guy. We don't know anything about the backstory. We don't know if he was at the Sermon on the Mount. We don't know if he was... Uh, when Jesus was doing deliverance and he, he saw how Jesus was doing it. <clears throat> all we know is that he was able to drive out demons by the authority of the name of Jesus now just earlier the disciples failed they were unable to drive out demons before that as we saw earlier in chapter 6 they were very successful in driving out demons <clears throat> Now they're reporting that they're really trying to protect the integrity of discipleship, the integrity of the Holy Club, and they were not going to let anybody have any unauthorized ministry outside of their camp. They're not one of us. So we told them to stop because he's not one of us. Jesus didn't seem to have a problem with others who were casting out demons in his name. It never made Jesus uncomfortable. It was like, oh my, what, what's gonna happen if somebody's doing No. Jesus said, don't stop him. Why? No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. Hmm. Did you catch that? Jesus is more inclusive than we are. you got to be full gospel if you're going to be able to move in power. No, Jesus will use any believer who will hold on to the authority that he's given them and exercise ministry in his name. He will bless it. He will bless it. Every, every one. Amazing. <clears throat> now, it's really interesting John says there was a guy who was casting out demons in your name and Jesus said no one who does a miracle in my name will then turn around and badmouth me and will then turn around and speak evil about me no now did you catch this it sounds to me like in the context of this scripture Jesus is equating casting out demons with a miracle. Hmm. Anybody want to do miracles? Sign up for casting out demons. And you will see miracles. Everybody eager? Going to put it on your Connect card on the back and say, I want to sign up for casting out demons, because I want to do miracles. It's like, "Ah, no, we'll leave that to Bob. Bob wants to do it. We'll we'll just let Bob do that. So if you have a demon, go see Bob. He'll he'll take care of it. It's one of those things that we we don't like. Why? Because it's kind of ugly. Demons are just but ugly. That's all there is to it. They are just ugly. And when you're dealing with them, they lie. They do all sorts of harm, they torment, they, they deceive, just nonsense, they're, they're nasty. So we need a holy janitor squad to go and do deliverance and, and to cast out demons. I think we need to get a, a new frame of reference of what deliverance ministry really is. We've got all sorts of historical examples, and we've had in the church some really bad examples of what deliverance ministry is. We need to get some good examples. We need to get some, some understanding of what it is so that we know how to do it, so that we can, in the name of Jesus, free people who are being tormented and harassed. Now, it's really interesting as you look at Jesus and doing deliverance and casting out evil spirits, <clears throat> it's not like as he's going through the marketplace, he's looking for demons. You know, it, it's not like he's, he's got his antenna up and he's, he's just trying to see, where's, where's a demon? And then targets. He lets the demon come to him. It's, it, it's really interesting, the holiness of God the presence that you carry in your intimate walk with Jesus as you go about life, you will upset the spiritual environment in people's lives. They won't be comfortable. And they'll start getting agitated. And there could be all sorts of different ways in which that looks in real life. It's when people want freedom that we minister to them. It's when people are interfering with the gospel, when people are interfering with other people's lives. That's when Jesus, he comes into the synagogue in chapter one. And as soon as he comes into the synagogue, this demon is announcing, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the son of the most high God. And Jesus said, shut up and come out. Boom, done. It wasn't a 32-hour ministry session. Because of the authority, Jesus spoke, it obeyed. It already recognized who he was. it's like, okay, this is interesting. Jesus is showing that a miracle and casting out a demon go together. We want to see miracles in the church then we better not get kind of the cafeteria style of selecting that we like this ministry of, of healing sick people we want to have this ministry of being able to prophesy the Word of God and change life we oh, but, but casting out demons I'll we'll leave that to Bob now we're going to be a church that believes in the miraculous and experiences the miraculous on a regular basis, then we better know what to do when we come in contact with a demon. Why? Sick people oftentimes have demonic attachments. Jesus says, this poor lady has been bent over like this, tormented by Satan. He took her physical condition and showed the spiritual dynamic that was causing it. It's like, okay. You can have the same same physical condition and have multiple reasons for why they're there. And that's where we need Holy Spirit discernment to know whether we're dealing with a demon, whether we're dealing with an organic illness, or whether we're dealing with a functional illness. Organic is where something has actually happened and broken. Some kind of virus or infection has come in or somebody fell and broke a bone. Those are organic. Function can have all sorts of emotional, mental, psychological things to it, but it's where the body's not function the way it's supposed to, and it may not be because there's anything organically wrong, but it could be trauma, It could be just anxiety and fear. It could be all sorts of different kind of things, or it could be a spirit. And so we we need to know how to navigate that and walk through that. Okay, in my notes, I said, give an exhortation on deliverance. Duly noted, you've been exhorted. (laughs) What I think is going to be happening in, our current situation and in the days to come is that we're gonna to need to be more trained. We're gonna to need to know how to engage this because it's gonna manifest more and more. We've got more people that are tied up and we're we're in our Western culture worldview that really doesn't make a whole lot of allowances for spirit and so we just try to make everything explainable, scientifically, rationally. We try to get an explanation for it. And we need to, to be dependent upon God and ask the Spirit to give us wisdom. What is going on? What's at the root of this manifestation, this root cause of what's going on here? Because Galatians chapter five, verse one says, you know, it's freedom that we've been set free. God set us free so that we could live free. And the enemy is all about stealing, killing, and destroying. He wants to restrict our freedom, our life, our ability to enjoy the kingdom realities now so that we have just a little bitty space that we can operate in. And God wants to bust that open so that everyone can be free and experience the fullness that he has for them. So Jesus goes on and he says, for whoever is not against us is for us. So we don't have to go around with our theological distinctives and make sure everybody can say yes to every distinctive that is part of our convictions. We need to understand this is the day and age where the church needs to be more embracing of the body of Christ Regardless of what their theological distinctives are, if they, f- if they function as a child of the Most High, w- we need to be more accepting than what we, I think, currently are. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but it's like, hmm, I find out somebody's doing something, I'm thinking, well, have they been baptized in the Spirit? You know, for for some of us, we can't have fellowship with someone if they haven't been baptized in the Spirit. It's like, no, we can have fellowship with someone. It might not be the full fellowship, but it can be fellowship. And when we see that we are lining and loving one another, it has an impact on the unbeliever. They behold how the body of Christ loves one another, and they say, I'd like to be a part of that. It's one powerful expression of evangelism. So we need to be more inclusive in the body of Christ. And then Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. Jesus is not talking about some kind of grandiose thing. If if someone just gives you a cup of cold water, it's one of the, the lowest level expressions of caring for someone, their thirst, and you're able to give them a cup of water. Wow, he says that will not go without reward. Because you belong to Christ, See, in the coming days, there's going to be a great persecution for the believers of the first century. They're going to have all sorts of persecution. And if someone shows a Christian kindness as they're enduring all sorts of untold horrors because they belong to Jesus, that kindness will always be remembered. And for us the ones who have an opportunity to extend a cup of cold water, I don't think it's limited to Christians. I think it's it's an expression that when we give someone a cup of cold water, we're acknowledging that they are created in God's image, male or female, and as a result of that, there's a dignity that we need to honor and we need to try to meet whatever their felt need is in that moment and care for them as simply as just giving them a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. That can be so powerful. <clears throat> Usually, you know, from my perspective, I wanna do something grandiose, you know, I wanna do something that really shows the power of the kingdom. And Jesus says, if you just, if you just give them a cup of cold water, that that is powerful. will certainly not lose his reward. You know in the kingdom there's all sorts of dynamics of rewards, blessings, inheritances. <clears throat> Don't have this on the screen, but if you if you have a second and you got your Bible with you, open to Matthew 25. And look at this inheritance. We're going to begin at verse 34. This is the goats and the sheep parable that Jesus is sharing. And this is right before he goes to the cross. And then the king will say to those on his right, come who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. Get that? Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. A cup of cold water. Maybe it wasn't cold. Maybe it was just a cup of water. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, Or needing clothes and clothed you when did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you and the king will reply truly I tell you whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for me hmm And so Jesus closes the book. If you do the meaningless task to meet the need of another person, you're doing it unto him. The evil one tries to blind us from seeing Christ in those who are in need. I don't know if you've ever been judgmental, but you see somebody in need and... You can start going down the list. Well, obviously they are, have not stewarded the resources that they've had. So now they're out on the street. or they're a, and, and we come up with all these, these lines of thought to keep us from having to minister to someone that maybe just doesn't look like we should minister to them because we don't see them as Jesus. The next time you're out and the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder and highlights a person who's in need and he shows you that this is an opportunity to minister unto Jesus. Watch your worldview, just get shift your frame of reference. Now you see them from an eternal perspective. Now you see them from God's perspective. And now your desire to help will probably be adjusted. As we go to communion, <clears throat> we just acknowledge that Jesus loves. People. Because the Father loves people. And because the Spirit loves people. Because God is love. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.